There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt and this is Padding Through the Matrix on March the 24th, 2010. Newcomers, I always suggest you look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website. You can look at hundreds of audios of talks I've given in the past and download them for free. And you can bookmark as well all the other sites I have up there because once in a time, a while, the comm site uh, will get, somehow get jammed with new uploads and they don't increase the bandwidth, although they're supposed to do it automatically. This way, if you have the other ones listed, you can always download the latest shows. So it's cuttingthroughthematrix.com, cuttingthroughthematrix.net.org.us.ca, Alan Watt, cuttingthroughthematrix.ca, and Alan Watt, uh, it's also cuttingthrough.jankness.com and Alan Watts sentient sentinel.eu. The last one is a European site, good site too for all the same audios of archives and so on. But you can get uh, the addition of transcripts of a lot of the talks I've given for prints up and choose from the various languages of Europe. And remember, uh, I keep telling people this, but they don't seem to listen much at all. Uh, I get the same people donating all the time. Uh, but it's you bring me to you. I don't take money from advertisers or companies to push products and that kind of stuff. That's how people make their money on talk radio. And uh, it's up to you, the audience, to keep me going. The ads you hear on this show are paid directly by advertisers to RBN for the broadcast of the show and to pay for the staff and equipment and the transmission and all the bills that we all know about. So it's up to you to keep me going. You can do so by going into cuttingthroughthematrix.com purchase the few items I've got for sale there. I'd do a lot more if I had time, believe you me. There's, uh, there's discs of maybe 50 shows, for instance, you can purchase pretty cheaply. There's books there I've written, and there's DVDs. And I hope to put a lot more DVDs up this year, in fact, as well. But it's up to you to keep me going, and you can purchase these. Go into the, the website and find out how to do it from the U.S. to Canada, Personal checks are good, and you can also use international postal money orders from the post office. And it's got to be international. Don't walk out with the, the green one. The green uh, purchase order is actually a internal use only. So you want the pink, reddish, communist one, international. That's the one they accept in Canada. You can also use MoneyGram, Western Union, or Cash. If you want to donate through PayPal, you can do so. You can also pay through PayPal for a purchase by sending the PayPal donation and a separate email for the purchase, and I'll get it out to you. Across the world, it's the same thing. Uh, MoneyGram, Western Union, Cash, or PayPal. There's different ways to do it. For those who get the disc burned and pass to them, the shows I've given in the past, you can get in touch with me at Alan Watt, Site 41, Box 4, Estaire, which is E-S-T-A-I-R-E, Ontario, Canada. The postal code is P for Peter, 3, E for Elizabeth, 4, 
N for Nora 1. P3E4N1. And, you know, there are so many topics I could choose from about the world that we're going into. We're actually merging into this new system and adapting very well to it. Actually, most folk are oblivious that, uh, that they're even adapting. They just take everything for granted and they learn by osmosis. Everything's around them is fed to them and they don't consciously think through things. It's by a, a form of osmosis. It just sinks into their subconscious and is normal. And because they're all doing it at the same time, they do, they do truly think it's normal. Uh, so much so that uh, they're in their own Plato's cave. They're all sharing the same pre-designed, pre-planned uh, cave for them to be in, where they're very familiar with it, even when it's changing. Because uh, they all acknowledge it's changing at the same time. That's how it happens. Works very easily. Back with more after these messages. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix. Perceptions that really can distort uh, our views of things, how we perceive things, how we're taught to perceive things. Most folk don't even realize they're actually taught how to see things, how to view things, and how to even understand the language as it's presented to them. Language itself is the simplest way to con people into doing anything you want. If you connect the words properly, you choose the words connecting properly, because we work like computers, we have a logic. Our logic is well understood, just like a computer. And by sequencing certain sentences together in words, you can make the person come to the desired conclusion by using their logic and the language, just like a computer. And we're run very simply this way. And what's even amazing is that it really works so easily on the general public, who are also trained, mind you, to see people with the suits and ties on, who claim to be politicians, uh, promising them things, and they want, they really want to believe it, that it's true, even though their experience should tell them, uh, once they've voted a couple of times, that the guys are all liars. You would really hope that would happen, but it doesn't to a lot of people. They're fixed from the time they're about 18 uh, into a mode, I'm right-wing, I'm left-wing, or whatever it is, I vote this, and just like daddy, and uh, they're like that their whole lives long. It's, it's astonishing. And the politicians have never represented the public. They're put in nearby special interest groups and financed with incredible money into those positions to run. And do you, th- do you really, really think that massive corporations, CEOs, uh, corporations give them uh, sometimes half a million to close to a million dollars to run without any strings attached, attached to it? Do you, do you think, and then countries do it too. There's different lobbies from different countries. The Israel lobbies are a huge one. Uh, there's a, a video out there. It's, it's inside Britain's Israel lobby. And, and you see politicians, including Cameron, for the Conservatives, saying, I'm with Israel. So in other words, you get me in, it doesn't matter what you do. That's what they're saying, really. And the Labour Party in that same video have all done the same speeches in front of uh, uh, the Israeli Congress for the UK. And it's the same in every single country. But other countries as well do the same thing with them. I can remember when Clinton got through and there was money funneled from China through some big Buddhist organisation to him. 
That was all over the media at the time. What do you think they want for this kind of cash? We just like you. We like how you look and how you talk. So please accept this little uh, gift and best of luck. And you think that's the end of it? We're run by money. Money makes the world go around. This world, I should say. This system that we live in. And there's not one politician on the planet going to ever buck the system and say, well, why don't we just create our own money and stop borrowing money and let's write off all the debts since it's all bogus anyway. It's all really bogus. What are they passing around? There's another video I watched a while ago uh, when I used to have some speed on ExploreNet and and, uh, they were pretending uh, before I signed on for two years that I was going to keep getting the speed and that was a big lie there too. But uh, I watched a video on, uh, it was very interesting, they showed you shots of Germany uh, just before World War II. World War II was looming, and uh, the German delegation wanted their gold, which was in the Bank of England, uh, taken out and transported to Germany. And you actually saw these German uh, soldiers uh, marching to the Bank of England under escort with British troops to collect the gold. And the astonishing thing was that the Bank of England had uh, gold piles for every country. And when a country wanted uh, paper money issued over something, they didn't transport the gold to Germany. Uh, say, prior to this, for instance, they just they used to keep it in the, the Bank of England or Czechoslovakia as another country. Uh, if they wanted a loan or whatever and, uh, or some money sent over to Czechoslovakia, uh, they would get a check sent to them uh, under the condition that their gold was moved from this part of the bank over the floor to that part of the bank, sort of credit and debt stuff. This is incredible. This is how they, they ran the whole system like that. So really the, the gold was never physically or seldom physically transported out, except when the Germans wanted theirs, they got it out. They would just issue you uh, paper money. Or, or the right to go and print it, which, which happens today, by the way. That's really what you get is the right to print. But then you have to pay back the, the lenders with something tangible, something real, not paper. But no, no, no politician on this planet is going to stand up uh, once they're in, and uh, certainly not in a leader as a president or prime minister, and say, we've got to uh, drop this system and cancel each other's debt and start from some new way altogether. That's not on the cards, because the whole the whole system is built on debt, the necessity of debt, to keep the same bankers in rulership over the countries and over the nations. The same bankers, remember, created, created, they're all Institute for International Affairs from the Milner Society that was comprised of bankers. And they are also called the Council on Foreign Relations, the real parallel government that have think tanks working on every possible subject that they're bringing in in the future worldwide. They, they are the guys that set up the United Nations with all its International Monetary Fund and all the other associations uh, under the umbrella of the UN. And uh, there's no way under under this uh, this uh, sprayed sky sun, or, or or used to be sunny skies, and it's all sprayed, I should say. There's no way that they're going to give up that kind of power. It's all done through money, so that will never change. It's like, incredible as they plundered the planet over and over again, because you see, we're all dependent on it to live, not to hunt 
for food and so nobody depend on money to go and buy food and to pay rent or pay mortgages or pay whatever. It's, it's a beautiful system of control. You rule the world through it. You rule in, every government in the world is ruled by it. And, of course, they want now to make sure that their cattle, that's all of us, of course, um, are being watched and monitored through uh, all the different computer systems that they've put out there that are increasing all the time with their interconnectivity because we must be completely um, predictable. Every single one of us is predictable. And they're going to make sure we stay that way. That makes them feel safe at the top. Now, talking about how they use words and media to con us, you have to always remember the stories that you look at from any page on the media. And here's an example. This is from Mail Online, March 24th, 2010. And it says, Scanner to Leer at Colleague. So I look at the headline, and then I look at the right-hand side of the page, and I'll put this link up, and you can see your, this is your tabloid reporting. It's, it's, a, it's a strange technique. It's very good. It works very well. It, it, it creates a surrealistic impression of any topic. Surrealism. The kaleidoscopic, circus-type surrealistic, so nothing's really real anymore. For instance, I've read so many horror stories on one side in the past, and I've got the blonde bimbos down the right side of the same page. That makes everything surrealistic and unreal. So he's he's an important topic, and it's about uh, these airport scanners. And right down the right-hand side of it, what what have you got? And this is about scanning through a woman's clothing and the guy snickering and talking about her breasts. But down the right-hand side, female today, hold the sauce. Sophie's trying to dethrone Nigella, but she can't uh, even slice the bread or something. Then an ex-model's TV show, Hard to Swallow. And then Mel B dines at restaurant in a see-through caftan. What does that say about the main story? It, make, it, makes, it puts the main story and this woman's trauma into the same category as it's all fun. You see? It's all fun and sexy fun and naughty fun. This is, this is not by accident. The article says an airport security guard who made lewd comments about a female colleague's breasts after taking a naked body scan of her is facing the sack. John Laker, 25, took the image at Heathrow Airport after Joe Margitson walked into the machine by accident. He then said, I love those gigantic bleep. Miss Margitson, 29, found the remarks offensive and immediately complained to managers at the BAA, which runs Heathrow and the police. I can't bear to think about the body scanner thing. She said, I'm totally traumatized by it. I spoke to the police about it. I'm in too much of a state to go to work. Laker, who is the first airport worker to be investigated for misusing the device, no, he's not, actually, was given a police warning for harassment. A warning for harassment. The body scanners have been introduced at Manchester and Heathrow after last year's unsuccessful Christmas Day bombing on a flight to Detroit. They're expected to be rolled out in Birmingham and Gatwick later this year. I've got articles from... 2007, where they were testing them out in England without the public even knowing it from mainstream media. And by the way, the cops that we get these portable ones too now, they can go around and and, uh, scan the public as they're passing you by and have a good laugh at you there too. 
And you know something, everyone will accept it. Who's paying for all this? Well, you are, folks, with your tax money. Who benefits the big corporations that used to be completely in just the war industry, but the war industry has changed into the observation industry? You see, big bucks. Paid for your tax money. We always pay for our chains. And here's an article here from, it's a good newspaper actually, it's a Sovereign Independent. You can also look into its site, sovereignindependent.ie, and it's the April-May issue. And it's about scanners as well. Uh, one of the articles at least is. And it's got a lot of good topics in it, but this says here, transparency is skin deep as scanners, uh, miscarriage of evidence appears, right? If you're one of those people who believe that everything government tells you is true, stop reading here. I'm sure many of you have read the article on this page regarding the farce of the underwear bomber. If not, then I suggest you do it before reading this. We're now told that because of one person allegedly trying to blow up a plane with what amounted to nothing more than a firework, that all of us, the approximately 6.8 billion people on the planet, have to give up their rights to our health and privacy by being naked in front of body scanners at every major airport. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, this is Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix reading from the Sovereign Independent uh, April-May issue, uh, an article by Mary McNeil, who's talking about the scanners. And it's a, it's a very good way of putting it. It says, because of this farce, one guy supposedly uh, going through with something that amounted to something like a firework strapped to his thigh or whatever, it says 6.8 billion people on this planet have to give up our rights to our health and privacy by being naked uh, and body scanned at every major airport, and I'm sure in time, minor airport, ferry port, train station, shopping centre, library, etc. The list is endless. And that's bang on, because this is going to expand to everywhere you go. It says, I for one will never voluntarily go through one of these machines. That doesn't mean I won't be forced to against my will. What are my health concerns? Well, reports from Heathrow Airport in the UK, where the scanners were introduced, the Transport and General Workers Union are investigating claims that five female security operators involved in running the machines have suffered miscarriages as a direct result of exposure to radiation emanating from the scanners. Now, these things are radioactive. I mean, these things, it's an X-ray. You're getting an X-ray. This nonsense only goes skin deep. No, it goes beyond your skin, folks. It's just, as, it's just what they can pick up on this particular scanner. It goes right through your body. Rays don't stop at your body. They go right through them. And all x-rays are accumulative. There's no safe level, but it's accumulative. Why do you think in hospitals when they give you the x-ray that the, that the type's a little bit more powerful that can be seen with their particular scanner right through your body? Why do you think they wear those lead aprons? Hmm? Why do you think they stand behind lead glass shields and all the rest of it? But you're supposed to walk through this without any lead shielding over and over and over again? You know, it's, it's like, it reminds me of the prisoners of war they've had in different wars, but World War II is the example we're always given. 
But the first thing they do is to, when they pick prisoners in or they take in, um, like the Germany did with the ethnic groups and Russia did the same thing with a lot of groups, you strip you, they strip you naked to de- make you, dehumanize you basically. To humiliate you and dehumanize you. And it's the same thing here, folks. You're all being trained to, to, that you're nothing. You're being dehumanized. You're being humiliated. And you, and the very fact that you don't yell about it makes the, 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 the jailers, you might say, hate you even more in disgust. That's what happens. There's a, a form of sadism creeps in with these characters. I don't know if you ever saw the movie V for Vendetta. But in one scene, uh, there's a doctor experimenting on prisoners, and she says they'd line up very apathetic every day. They were brought in by the guards under under um, the guards were all armed, of course, and the prisoners were uh, either naked, semi-naked, or whatever. And they'd all be dejected, looking at the floor, and then each one would get a jab as he went through of this um, experimental uh, injections they were giving them. And she says, I eventually became, came to hate them and their apathy and the fact that they didn't say anything or rebel. That's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's what does really happen in, under tyrannical systems. I hope you get what I'm saying. I don't think most of you really do. Intellectually, you'll, you will understand it, but you can't really envisage it happening to you. And yet it is happening to most of you out there already. There's cops with all kinds of stuff they can see through your walls. They've had them since, been using them since the 70s. There's helicopters, and peace helicopters they can see through your walls too. And they play their little games. The old movie Blue Thunder, you should watch it again. It said at the very beginning of the movie, it was made in the 70s. It says all the equipment and technology you see on this, this uh, movie is actually in use. Long before 9-11 came along, when folk, again, still thought they were free. <laughs> but it says here, as I say, that um, five women are under investigation claiming that uh, they've all had miscarriages because of these machines and they're been, they've been working on them. There's a lot of passengers uh, making flights almost every other week, you know, back and forth to different places, getting the same bombardment radiation. It says here, the technology used in these machines is such, this is what they tell you, that the radiation wave actually penetrates beneath your skin. I've seen many women get onto flights who are clearly pregnant and who you would assume would not be scanned with radiation, but wrong. As of this month, it was announced that nobody could refuse to go through the scanners at Heathrow Airport, regardless of pregnancy or a medical condition. If you're trying for a child, do you want to risk losing it without even realizing you were pregnant by going through one of these machines? Okay, so you're not allowed to refuse a radioactive scan, whether you're pregnant or you suffer from a medical condition, regardless of the severity of such a condition, which may well cause you to miscarry. In the case of pregnancy or indeed further exacerbate any medical health problems you may have. I must also assume this would include cancer patients or people with any other health conditions. It appears that there will be no 
exceptions and that these rules will be applied internationally. What about the guys, folks? You'll become even more sterile than you already are. Back after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watts, and we're cutting through the matrix. I said that last article was from the Sovereign Independent, and it's, this paper covers Ireland and Great Britain, so it's a good paper to look into bringing across the pond there. And they have a lot of good articles about the the real, the real facts, not the usual political nonsense, uh, but the real facts that are going on in that country. So people should look into it. And I'll put the link up to their websites at the end of the show on CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And I mentioned before that long before NAFTA was signed, the think tanks worked out all the repercussions of NAFTA and then GATT, the General Agreement on Trade and Tariffs for Worldwide Investment and Transfer of uh, Technology and Factories and all the rest of it. They knew what the repercussions would be on the U.S., Canada, and countries in the Western world. They, they were perfectly well, and I've no doubt, too, they were very accurate on their unemployment statistics uh, and so on as we went before we even went through it, before we went through it. They also knew that the American dollar would no longer be the, the prime currency of international exchange across the world. Long ago, years ago. And they don't wait for things to happen. They plan it all way ahead. All the repercussions are planned. And there's um, an article here about the, the, the dollar as though it's just happening now. But where is it from? From the Wall Street Journal. Now, this ties in. These guys obviously are Council on Foreign Relations because, you see, the Council on Foreign Relations put an article out today as well, or, or March 18th, actually, I should say, uh, 2010. This is after the dollar, Wall Street Journal. It says, a, new, a, a world needs a new monetary architecture. So a new monetary architecture, right? I wonder who the grand architect will be. The same guy as the last one? Of course it will. Are the current problems of Greece the link between the global financial crisis of 2007 to nine and an international monetary crisis to come? The monetary system was reshaped in the mid-1940s in the aftermath of World War II, and that was in Bretton Woods Agreement, and again, again in the early 1970s after the first oil price shock. In both cases, global disruption caused the monetary system to buckle. The question now is whether the current system of floating currency blocks with dollar-based trade and reserves can withstand the strains of the global adjustment ahead. We think it's time to consider alternatives. Now, this is, they're getting this, obviously, and it well, actually says it right here in a report released by Chatham House. Chatham House. Now, I'll go to the, the Chatham House one and webpage, and I'll put these links all up for you to look at. So, really, the Wall Street Journal is doing a mouthpiece article for Chatham House. And again, Beyond the Dollar Rethinking the International Monetary System by Chatham House Report, edited by Paula Sabucci and John Driffle, March 2010. Now, they give you the, the papers to download, so the download links are on the site, and I'll put this up again, too, at the end of the show. 
This report maps out proposals for a new international monetary order and looks at ways in which monetary authorities and political leaders can help prepare the ground for a new system and facilitate the transition. Now remember, Chatham House is the headquarters for the Royal Institute for International Affairs-CFR, Council of Foreign Relations. They're the guys that tell governments what to do. Key recommendations include a multi-currency reserve system for a multipolar world economy. Promote dialogue and policy coordination to provide stability, confidence and balanced adjustment. Strengthen the role and legitimacy of international institutions, that's the United Nations folks, including how the surveillance role of the International Monetary Fund, that's the United Nations folks again, can be reinforced to address more effectively the problem of exchange rates and payments disequilibrium. Consideration of how the shape of the international monetary system in the 21st century will be significantly influenced by the interests and requirements of the emerging powers, including how the dollar-based monetary system is no longer adequate for a larger and more integrated world economy. And then to give you further resources to look through links to other articles they've done on this too. Because you see, they have think tanks working on every aspect of human existence, especially the system that they're bringing in right now. They already run this system. Every major reporter out there is a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. Every newspaper owner and editor is a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. The top leaders of all parties of politicians in every country are members of the Council on Foreign Relations. I mentioned over and over Carol Quigley's book, uh, Tragedy and Hope, and his other book, uh, The Anglo-American Establishment. Remember, he was the historian for the Council on Foreign Relations. He had access to all the records. He put the books out thinking it was time the public knew. He thought they'd all be for it. And uh, it sold for about a, a year, the first edition, and then his plates, the plates for printing, were bought over by Macmillan, I think it was, and then they smashed the plates. They weren't too happy that he'd put the, the secrets out for the public to view. But you've got to get a hold of them, because you won't understand even what the history was all about unless you read uh, the reasons for the wars we've had for a hundred-odd years. Because these guys admit they've been behind it. To bring in a global system with a socialistic flair to it for better control over the general population. And the bankers prefer international socialism. They prefer to deal with the governments to get debts back rather than go door to door getting debts off of you. They can also get the governments to put in policies and laws that to tax more money off you, that ends up back in their hands as well. They love borrowing, lending money to governments. They're guaranteed to get it back from the generations to come by government laws. We never get away from it, say, but, uh, you know, and, and people really will keep voting. And, uh, as we're inside, we're already inside a, a figurative Uh, metaphorical barbed wire camp we really really are and the folk don't really get it you know and they won't even even when they're really completely in it they still won't get it if they can go and shop and travel from a to b within a a certain area and go to the bars or wherever they do to pass the time 
or go home and sit in front of that darn screen and, and watch porn or whatever the, the heck it is they're into or play their little video games. They won't care. Most won't care. So I only speak to the ones who do care. I don't waste my time on the ones who don't. They're gone. They've never been here to get lost. Because politicians are utterly crooked. I've gone through the book uh, Ponerology before, about the politicians and how they're psychopathic. Well-established studies on them and their personalities. Ordinary folk don't really go into politics. They, they wouldn't stand a chance if they did get in because if they didn't join the gang and fill their pockets and do all the corrupt stuff, they'd be set up. There was a politician in Ontario here who wrote a book about that. He tried that. And they tried to bring him into all the little cons and, and skims off the top that they're all doing, and he wouldn't play along, and so they tried to set him up. So he came out and he just, he just got so disgusted he came out and wrote a book about it. But this is so typical. Politicians are crooked psychopaths who can lie their, their, their teeth off to you and never blush. You have to be a psychopath to run for politics because any skeletons in your cupboard are going to be laid bare and these guys could take it all without a blush. Anybody, any normal person would run for cover ashamed of something. Not these guys. This article here shows you what they're like. Now, the Economic Union Parliament uh, that was fausted on all of the, uh, the the British and the French and German uh, Scandinavian peoples and so on, this forced union that was a secret deal really going onwards since 1948, the public were, the public were not to be told it was to end up with an actual uh, authoritarian parliament until it was all set up and done and working. But here's the politicians here. EU money spent on skiing trips and TV propaganda. The European Parliament has come under fire again for spending millions of pounds of taxpayers' money on a propaganda television service, ski, ski trips and language lessons for staff. This is 16th of March 2010. In a report, the MEPs raised questions about the Assembly budget, including concerns about a £72,000 fund for Parliament staff which was used to pay for a trip to the Italian Alps, the Alps for the children of the member of the European Parliaments and their officials. It's also attacked the annual £8 million budget for Europarl TV, Parliament's own dedicated online TV channel. It broadcasts live parliamentary events, including plenary and committee meetings, but has been condemned by some MEPs as glorified propaganda. You see, all of these politicians are useless anyway because they have no voting rights on anything. They can't put forward laws or amend laws. It's all done up in secret. They admit this, and I read the articles from the mainstream again. A secret committee, an executive committee at the very top, make up the laws and pass them. These guys can only comment. Why have them? They're there because they want to give the people uh, the appearance, some kind of, however thin it might be, of, of, of democracy and, and a say in things. They're all corrupt. They're all absolutely corrupt. And, and the public never, ever, ever get this. Here's another article here from the Mail Online. Labour turns on, on stupid, the stupid act. Ex-ministers caught, that's, that's politicians caught, in cash for lobbying sting. But they still won't order an inquiry. The government still won't order an inquiry. 23rd of March. 
the Labour government's furious ex-ministers were suckered into a sting. That's what they claim. The stupidity has brought Labour into disrepute. I don't know how you could bring it into any further disrepute. Grumbling that Blairites have been hung out to dry. Then Cameron, who, who plays the right-wing uh, 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 puppet, uh, demands brief but comprehensive inquiry. Downing Street insists matter has been dealt with. David Cameron today warned that the cash for lobbying row, everything is like this. All these politicians are for hire. It actually says it in the article here that they're for hire to corporations. You're, the politicians are for hire, for cash. One of them actually said, he says, I'm a taxi uh, waiting for hire. So what happened, and Channel 4 uh, actually did this. Is, I'll put the video link up for you to see these politicians getting approached and what they said. And, and the article 2 from the Mail Online, it says, uh, The Tory leader insisted a brief but comprehensive probe was vital, as he said, of his own measures to clamp down on lobbying if he wins power at the next election. Outflacking Gordon Brown, just as he did during the expenses scandal, he insisted the case for an investigation was incredibly strong and that the Prime Minister must think again. It says, uh, but, but Labour remained unbowed, insisting that their own internal investigations into the lobbying claims had found not a scintilla of evidence of impropriety. Business Secretary Lord Mandelson, he's a, he's a real trustworthy character, this character, Deputy Prime Minister in all but name, and he runs the country, proclaimed people in glass houses should not throw stones. Uh, so they do all this backsliding. It says here, former Labour cabinet ministers Patricia Hewitt, G.F. Hoon, and Stephen Byers and backbencher Margaret Moran were suspended from the party last night. Well, they were suspended for obvious reasons. Uh, if they found no impropriety, right? They wouldn't suspend them. There was a impropriety, all right. Just days before an election is set to be called, they had the whip removed after a TV documentary showed them offering to influence government policy in return for cash. Labour peer Baroness Morgan and Tory MP Sir John Butterfill also featured in the programme, but unlike the three Blairites, they are not household names. The Labour government is furious at the scandal and is desperately trying to distance itself from the ex-ministers, who not long ago were the leading lights in the party. Justice Secretary Jack Straw, he's a straw man, said they'd brought Labour into disrepute and condemned the stupidity while Lord Mandelson said their behaviour was ghastly and grubby. Lord Mandelson's the guy who said he ran Britain from Lord Rothschild's swimming pool in France. There's nobody grubbier than Mandelson. You should see his history. They're all corrupt psychopaths. They're all bought and paid for. All of them. And all parties. They've been around every special interest group when they're campaigning for, for cash, and they promise they'll, they'll be their boys. They'll be their boys. Whatever you do, we'll be with you. That's what you vote in. And you know, the U.S. and Canada and every other country is exactly the same. Exactly the same. Read the book Political Ponderology. It's a real good eye-opener. There was a study that was actually done in the Soviet Union by guys, uh, psychologists and psychiatrists, keeping very, very quiet because they were under investigation on their own leaders. And they found out they were exactly the same personalities as those of the West. Because you see, psychopaths always climb up to where the power is in every country. They have no qualms about taking money or doing whatever they're told to to the people on behalf of the, the banksters that control them and own them.
Now, they're always talking about equality and stuff like that. And banking, when they, they're after your cash, with their lovely ads and the, the, the ads show the tellers always smiling. You know, everybody always, everybody always smiles in ads. You notice that? But, and it's always, again, a fantasy. But here is an article. It's, it's from, um, this is Money, financial website of the year. It says here, apartheid uh, Barclays filters out poor clients. Here's how it's going. Some of the Daily Mail, actually, 13th of March, 2010. Thousands of struggling bank customers will be connected to Indian call centers, call centers in India. So if you're a struggling uh, bank customer, you don't have a lot in the bank, and you've got a problem, and you phone up, you will be connected to an Indian call center, where more affluent account holders will get one in Britain. A new banking phone system will identify those with low credit approvals and put them through to India. Those who have considerable savings or a credit limit that allows them to borrow around £500 from the bank or buy its products will be connected to a British operator. Bosses hope the new line will filter out their customers who do not have the money to buy the bank's products so their British staff will potentially be able to sell to every caller. Barclays is testing the system and call centre staff have been briefed that it will start on April the 1st. That's April Fool's Day, yeah? That's when you phone up and, hello, I'm speaking from India. <laughs> and you say, what? Excuse me? And, and you'll, you'll be on the phone for about three hours trying to figure out what's going on. One Barclays sales executive said, uh, before we have uh, people ringing up who had been overdrawn, so we haven't been able to sell them anything. Critics say the bank is only interested in people with cash. Well, of course it is. That's what banks are there for. And not the genuine concerns of millions who have queries about the state of their finances. Now, this is obviously a trial that other banks will be following at the same time. When one comes out with it, the rest go the same way. We already have it in Canada uh, when you're trying to get through Bell systems, for instance, and for your internet uh, systems. Back with more after this break. This is Alan Watts. We're cutting through the matrix. Now, I've talked before about the corridors, the human habitat corridors that were being pushed out from the 70s onwards through the various proclamations from the United Nations. That really is the big boss. All governments do what they're told by and sign treaties every year, uh, furthering an agenda for the United Nations. Here's a report from its UN report. World's biggest cities are to merge into mega regions. And this ties in with, of course, the military's uh, uh, future vision as well for the next 40, 50 years that they've released too. It's from theguardian.co.uk, 22nd of March. The first mega city along the Pearl River Delta in China, Hong Kong, and it shows you the pictures of that and so on. This is the world's first mega city comprising, uh, comprised at Hong Kong, uh, Shenzhen, and Gangzhou. Uh, home to about 120 million people. This is where they're all crammed together, right? This is what they want us all to be crammed into. The world's mega cities are merging to form vast mega regions, which may stretch hundreds of kilometers across countries and be home to more than 100 million people, according to a major new United Nations report. 
The phenomenon of the so-called endless city could be one of the most significant developments and problems in the way people live and economies grow in the next 50 years, says the UN Habitat, the Agency for Human Settlements. You know you have a, a, an agency for human settlements. That the, your government doesn't run, but they sign agreements back from the UN that they must insto- uh, implement all of these uh, agreements. It identifies the trend of developing mega-regions in its biannual State of the World Cities report. And I'll put all these links up for you. I've already got them at cuttingthroughmedics.com at the end of the show. The largest of these, says the report launched today at the World Urban Forum. The World Urban Forum. You know what? They've got forums going on all the time through the United Nations, and the public are oblivious of it. And it affects us all. And Rio de Janeiro is the Hong Kong, uh, Shitsun, Gangzhou region in China, home to about 120 million people. It says other megacities are forming also in India, West Africa, and elsewhere. The trend helped the world uh, pass a tipping point in the last year with more than half the world's population now living in cities. It says it's now unstoppable, these long, uh, continuous cities. That's where they want us all to live. Then they go into the statistics of the folk that used to live on the, the rural areas, and how they're dwindling, and by 2050, there'll be very few except the very rich people. That's what they want. And the, the woman who's a spokesman for this UN organization says uh, this is a positive thing. Getting all the folk out of the rural areas is a positive thing, she says. Why? Because you'll all be under massive control with your tiny little chip and your little card, and you can't move outside that area, and you're going to be monitored every where you go with everything you do. That's why. So I'll put this link up for you as well, and the one from the United Nations, and you should really go through this stuff. It's long, it's tedious, it's boring, but that's where the facts are, folks. That's how you run, by long, tedious, boring articles and uh, treaties that are put out by the United Nations. Amazing. It says, uh, it says, uh, the world's largest 40 mega-regions cover only a tiny fraction of the habitable surface of our planet and are home to fewer than 18% of the world's population, but account for 66% of all the economy activity and 85% of technology and scientific innovation. But it's a rah-rah thing as we all get crammed into the cities and they make it impossible to live in the rural areas. Old agenda, H.G. Wells talked about it in the 20s. And guys, down the path since then and we're given politics to play with instead from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada it's good night to me your God or your gods go with you